1: I'm Samuel Mann in Soyers Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawera Karatai in Whakatane. Kura Mawera. Sam, how's it going? It's going very well indeed. Welcome back to 2023.
0: It's exciting, isn't it? And I missed um, a lot of uh, end of 2022 shows because of my appendicitis, so I apologise for that. But, and, um, but you, I actually got to listen to the shows and they were some pretty amazing folks.
1: They were indeed. So you're cheating on the weight loss by having your appendix taken out in a hurry.
0: Yep, appendix out and, and haircut. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, but just before we started recording, uh, we were just talking about that in the last year. So in January last year, I weighed 131 kilos and now in January this year, I weigh 88. And so... My surgery has has truly transformed my life. I'm very excited about the next little while.
1: And if you were carrying around that many potatoes, you'd know about it?
0: Oh, yes, you would. And it is amazing, actually, when you do try and carry, like, you know, I've been carrying um, bags of bark and stuff around in the garden and just amazed at how hard it is to carry a bag of something. And then, you know, I consider I carried around four times that weight you know, at my heaviest. So, yeah, it's just been amazing. For those who have been following the show for a while and remember that I uh, had gastric sleeve surgery in August. I've now lost 40 kilos since my surgery. and um, Yeah, pretty amazing healing.
1: And has it given you a new sense of life and and getting out and about and stuff?
0: It has, and um, I'm really excited um, mostly to be on my bike. Uh, And uh, actually, that's a nice segue into introducing our guest today because she's one of my favorite mountain bikers on the planet Hannah Thompson um, who is from here in the eastern Bay of Plenty um, and I met her through mountain biking she was coaching Jack uh, before she um, started her study uh, and uh, is an active member of our Fakatani mountain bike club and is also temporarily employed at the moment with Apa on the Spartina pest control program down in Marlborough sounds so can't wait to hear
2: from you today, Hannah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no worries. Uh glad to be here.
1: Welcome, Hannah. For a long time on the show, we've been asking people how their bubble life was, and I think we have to give up on asking that now. So how yeah. is your not bubble life going?
2: Well, to be fair, it was much the same as my bubble <laughs> life. I mean, I was an essential worker at that time, but um, no, it's fantastic. So I've just recently moved i guess temporarily down to the sounds based out of Havelock, and i've been my gosh waking up at four thirty to go and have uh traipse around in the estuaries you know looking for a grass so it's been a bit of an adjustment period but it's meant i've had you know afternoons to go and explore the wonder that is the milder Sounds, you know so no it's just it's been great honestly i've appreciated the change it's been quite nice to kind of break up the study you know.
1: What are you normally studying?
2: So last year I completed uh, through 12 of my a I guess a level 4 certificate in conservation operations so that more or less is just the fundamental skills needed to apply myself in the field of conservation so think along the lines of you know agrochemical use and quad bikes and I guess, an introduction level to ecology, botany and whatnot. Yeah, but um, that, I guess, kind of sparked a passion and I've committed to doing basically a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Management, which all things going well, uh, we'll start off basically once this contract's finished.
1: That sounds cool. Where will you do that?
2: So that is run through the Polytech in Tauranga, so Toi Mai, and it's run on I guess two independent diplomas that cross into the full three-year degree so I guess I've got some degree of freedom as to how much of it I do but my gosh the more I'm in this environment and doing work related to the field the more I want to learn about the how and the why of how it works you know
1: so what got you into that kind of work
2: oh gosh that's a good question uh always known I struggled to sit inside and an office job wouldn't be for me and almost all my spare time is spent outside Uh, but the work I was doing prior to that which I guess was um, orchard management kind of I guess wasn't fulfilling and so I needed a change and I saw that with that trades training scheme the government let out uh, the course I've just completed was covered and so it was a kind of a a one-year gamble to see if conservation was something I could see myself doing. And I guess a few of the opportunities that we were given were just enough to kind of hook me in and make me want more. Yeah. But it's kind of a natural fit, I guess, in terms of my background in mountain biking. But, uh, yeah, it's meant I've had to slow down, get off the bike for a wee bit, and actually look at what's around me rather than race down as much as possible
1: Hi. do you have does it give you a sense of making a difference when you are as you described it trudging around in estuaries looking for grass
2: yeah d- uh, d- most d- days honestly it's a bit of a struggle just to keep the concentration because it's near the end of the program and it's i think last year they found one yeah
1: so what is this grass you've been looking for
2: So spartine is, I guess, just an invasive grass that was initially brought into the country to help kind of raise up and firm up, uh, I guess, estuaries so that they could graze it. But as with a lot of introduced pests, it's kind of got to the point that it's uh, outcompeting natives and in that it's like when it's shoring up the ground, I guess it's affecting the natural order of things. And so shapes and whatnot are changing of these estuaries. And yeah, so they've decided it's a worthy plant to eradicate, right? I don't know. Yeah.
1: It's, it's a learning
2: process for me too, because prior to coming down here, I knew very little. And I've got a botany
1: degree, and I reckon that the grasses are the nastiest things on the world to identify. Is it obvious oh, what what is the right yeah. thing?
2: Yeah. That's in and of itself been a good problem, and a a good way to make you really stop and look at what, you know, what's down there. You've got, I mean, it's predominantly fescue over here. Uh, so, I guess, on the off chance we do find any grass, which, fingers crossed we don't, because it's theoretically been walked over before and been removed. But, uh yeah, in theory, we should be able to quite easily identify it. It's great. It's, um... <laughs> Uh, I don't know how you'd call it, if it's a pet plant or a Judas plant, but just um, down near Havelock itself along the boardwalk, they've uh, marked and identified a plant that they keep just to help with this program. So we have something physical to walk down to and have a look at. And it's just... It's an interesting concept, keeping something bad just so that we know what it looks like. You know? Yeah.
1: Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Cascade on your mind. Why this one?
2: I have a keen interest in mindless electronic music. And so haphazardly, it was one of my most played songs last year. Yeah, I don't know. Too much music to pick two favourites.
0: Anna, you and your family are so community minded. You're you're always willing to give a hand and that's to be said for all of your family. And you all work in places where you make a significant difference in the lives of others, which is a really cool thing to identify about a whole family.
2: Yeah. Where does that come from, do you think? Well, I, I can't speak for my siblings. But I guess Growing up, my dad in particular was always involved in every blooming Sports activity you can put a name to. And we just kind of ended up in that environment and I guess learning the skills that we could then eventually pass on. And so I suppose knowing that we have this knowledge, we've always been encouraged to just share it out. And yeah. I can't, yeah. It's a hard one to put words to because I feel like I'm not a very open and sharing sort of person. (laughs) It feels weird to talk about, you know? Yeah, I guess quite conceited in that regard. But no, it's just knowing I can help others. And I guess that sense of satisfaction when things start to click when you're teaching you know and the concepts are starting to make sense in their mind where i guess in the past it may not have worked for them like that that like that brings good feelings you know like everyone yeah i'd like to think that most people want to see others improve and thrive right yeah i'd yeah. like
0: to think that too but i'm not sure that that's actually that's actually happening but i'd yeah, like to I think, think
2: it was I mean, there's moments when you question that in the world, but I have this knowledge that I can give to other people, and I have the means to do it, so I don't see why I shouldn't. I guess, yeah. Let, yeah. That that's a nice, succinct way to put it. We'll go with that. That sounds good to me. Yeah. When
0: when I uh, my observation of the way that you do that, you know, I look at you with young people on mountain bikes and and. You, you've got these people coming to you who their riding is the barrier to their future riding is their fear, right. and you've got this way of helping them to overcome that fear and just do it with confidence. Yeah. How, how does that work?
2: That's a great question once again. Um, not something I've thought much about, but I guess – I know in myself that I'm generally quite calm and approachable and I don't tend to get frazzled quite often. And I think when you're, you know, challenging these people to progress and I guess in mountain biking in this instance, it's quite nice for them to have that calm energy to kind of bounce off. And I get, I have quite, I guess, a clinical way to look at things. And so I can break down small little things if they need it to improve upon and it yeah I don't know it kind of (laughs) comes naturally I suppose I was brought up with my mum looking after uh, young kids and just seeing the way she is around them regardless of my attitudes towards children because they can be exhausting at times but she's imparted a lot of knowledge in how to handle people in situations that aren't always very straightforward and calm and happy, you know? Yeah.
0: Jack's um Jack's caught it all about it, you know, when you've coached him is when I've said to him, gosh, you've gone from I'm never gonna do this to a session with Hannah and now you're doing it and telling other people how to do it, that's a that's massive progress. And Jack's Jack's um his explanation for that is Hannah said I can do it, so I must be able to do it. <laughs> well, So there's yeah. something that yeah. you've got this, you've got a, um, you're, you're not, believable's not the word. What else is the word I'm looking for? You,
2: you're authentic. Relatable, you. Yeah. You're
0: authentic.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, it always helps uh, to have, individuals like Jack who are just incredibly good at their sport and pick it up quite quickly. Like it definitely helps. But I guess like in regards to, uh, so I help with some women's mountain biking and I know from experience having a female voice to explain concepts to you, like it, it helps, especially as a, as a woman, having another woman explain it. It doesn't seem like you're being talked down to, I guess, which in other instances I have felt being instructed by men in the past. But, hey, it's, yeah, I think I'm relatable and I can, I don't know, explain what needs to be done in a way that's understandable. I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly
0: what you do. So how do do we capture that beautiful thing, this gift that you have that enables you to be an explainer and not a mansplainer? And how do we take that and put that in a conservation context to to get more people involved and engaged in conservation work?
2: Gosh, if only I knew the answer to that. It's a hard one because I feel like I'm just beginning my journey into conservation and I'm aware that what I know is only a fraction of what there is to know and I guess it's just that eagerness and willingness to put the effort in to fill in those gaps and to educate myself I suppose but my gosh it's conservation or even just the new like native natural New Zealand is just there's so much fascinating stuff in it that I am, I am extremely passionate about and love to learn about, and I guess it's trying to pass on that passion and that enjoyment, and just giving people that access, and I don't know, open opening their eyes to what is there, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah,
0: getting um, getting away from screens and into the real world, and actually walking yeah. in the forest.
2: That's true. And I guess for some people, that's not always the most accessible like, activity, right? In which case, it's about, I suppose, advocating for these green spaces and areas that don't necessarily have them. And hey, social media can be great for that. I mean, some of the accounts with the likes of you know, Doc and even just passionate individuals who want to share their love for nature There's a lot of amazing content on social media that I guess can be a nice first introduction for people who don't have that access, naturally. You're
0: thinking about um, the Eastern Bay of Plenty. Do you think that we've got enough accessible spaces here to enable people to have that relationship with the Nahiri and just with the natural environment?
2: Gosh, simple answer is no. But I don't think there's a quantifiable like limit. Like, we won't reach one line where this is enough. There's always, always, an, I guess I would say, a need for more. The more accessible things are, the more likely they are to be used. And so we should always be trying to increase that access for people. But, I mean, we're making a positive start. You've got... Some of the trails up on Natapuay or Toy, so the main walk around the Fakatani area that are now kind of graded and widened enough for wheelchair accessibility, which wasn't there a few years ago. And that in and of like that, it's only a small section of the trail, but it's opening up so much of what people wouldn't be able to see if they have these, you know, disabilities. And I'd like to see it, you know, continued and Put in place in other places, like Onipu, for instance, the mountain bike park out near Kawhia. But yeah, it's, there's always room for more. There's no limit. There's no this is enough. Yeah, it feels
0: like um, when we were all locked away during COVID and our natural environment was shut off to us. Yeah, that there was this, there was a new, renewed interest to go and engage. And then yeah. over time, that's kind of petered off again. Like I saw more people out doing stuff with their families, walking in the bush, yeah. on the rivers, noticing that, you know, the rivers aren't as clean as they used to be. You know, I've been to the river for 20 years and now, look, I can't even swim in it because it's so grubby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but is that, do you think that that will continue or are we going to lose that interest again until the next time we're stopped from having an engagement with our natural world? Gosh,
2: I mean, I I agree with you in the sense that things have petered off, I guess, from their peak, but I'd like to think that, on average, more people are continuing to engage in nature after having that time to get in it, you know? I think you'd you'd have to be hopeful that these will always continue to grow. Because, yeah, it is, as I've said, such an amazing, you know, resource and thing to access that, you know, you'd almost be daft not to get in amongst it. It's just, I don't know, good for what is the expression mind, body and soul? It's good for that, you know. <laughs> uh, because when, raccoon, we res-
0: yeah. when we restore the modi of the nahiri, we restore the modi of the community. The, exactly. Well,
2: yeah. spirit. Yeah. yeah. I guess it comes with uh, the understanding that we are part of nature and not at you know at the control of it and then I think is one of the perks about having kind of multi-world view instilled in I guess younger generations and having that heightened importance on it because it's just the way things have been done has not necessarily always worked and from my experiences around kind of maori and the yeah the, the worldview they hold it's yeah, it's, it's very interconnected, and everything interacts with everything else. And finding that kind of harmony and balance is, I don't know, it's a beautiful thing. And I guess this is a great example of it. You've got these amazing walks that are well looked after, and the bird life, and the you know flora and fauna, all of it. It's I can't say it's what it would have been, you know, before humans kind of settled here, but it's incredible. And there's these species that, you know, are on the brink of extinction and now are slowly returning. Like this South Island kakar that never that was never a thing here, but now there's a handful of them that are, you know, breeding in the wild and they're not released every year. I don't know, just yeah. A bit that's off topic, neat. but it's a beautiful thing. No,
0: that's lovely. That that's it is so nice to celebrate the winds.
2: Exactly, yeah
3: no point is holding he... on to negatives, right? That's exactly right. Bubble sprite of the forest of Orokinui, Denise's
4: favourite goddess Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou nā i kia koutou kata ho. I hope you're all a to day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes and I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining, and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are, the triumph of nature's art perfect, unique and here making better, thank you now I know that for us all the last several years have been very tough and it's so important that we allow ourselves the time and space that we need to recover and recalibrate and re-navigate our way back to a path that isn't for us to walk and of course, being part of this show is a huge pleasure and a huge privilege and has been a guiding light to me over these years. A huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team and to all of you for having I am so grateful. And of course, now we find ourselves in a brand new year. So many exciting possibilities, so many new ways of doing being and feeling and so many opportunities to share what has helped us. has allowed us to get through these tricky times and what we have gained, what we have learned, which parts of us are stronger, which parts of us are now more comfortable asking for support, being vulnerable, which parts of us are now awakened and here with stories to share. It's a very exciting time, of course, when we begin a new year and we really can think about all of the learning we've had throughout our lives all of those patterns and cycles of change all of the ways that we have grown and shifted metamorphosed into the beautiful beautiful creatures that we are now and of course we move through so many different phases in our lives we all experience loss we all experience pain and suffering we all experience moments of great triumph and self-actualization self-realization recognizing the gifts and the talents unique to us that we have brought with us and for us all we have moments when those beautiful light within us shine out. And I know that now, more than ever, it's so important that we give ourselves what we need so that we can shine when we feel the time is right. I know for myself, in navigating this long COVID recovery, I've been so grateful and so comforted, so supported and so carried along, buoyed up, uplifted. By those stories of others around me and how crucial it is how important it is for us to share our stories if we choose to if we feel the time is right and maybe being part of a show like this i would love everybody in the whole world to be in and share their story that would be just such a beautiful beautiful project to bring to fruition everybody has a story to share and i know that Really for us all, as we bring these stories together and embark on this process of Raga all, we have this opportunity really to journey into new worlds of compassion and empathy, that our hearts are able to expand to love even more with even greater joy and understanding. And we can encompass so many new realities. This is a wonderful thing about us. So I really hope for you over this time of celebration you've had some beautiful stories shared with you that have inspired you and that have reminded you of those wonderful aspects of self that are there waiting to be celebrated, waiting to be shared. You may choose to bring forth the shine in the light of 2023. It's a very exciting new year for us all and I look forward to talking to you again. Soon. Thanks. Ka <coughs> Hannah,
0: conservation is a pretty complex space with so many different spaces where you can practice as a professional is there any particular area at the moment that's kind of sticking out as being a good place for you for your future right
2: well I've only just skimmed the surface of what there is to offer and I guess that's part of what's leading me into more study so that I have this broader understanding of what what there is and what I can be involved in yeah.
0: Did you cover much conservation when you were at school? Was
2: that a thing in your schooling? Oh, my gosh. Uh, vague memories of it, but nothing that stands out. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not something that was drilled into me at a young age that I was aware of. It's something I've kind of found myself, you know, in adult life. Yeah. But I, at least I'm aware surely that's more prevalent now. Like, you've got the Whakatane Intermediate School, right? They have all their, you know, marine studies and what they've done around Awatapu to help restore the diversity in there is incredible. And just in the short space that that's been running, you can really notice the improvements. Yeah, like, uh, my nephew and uh, his dad were down there the other day just, like, gawking at all of the eels. And I, I just... Have no memory of even being able to see into that water, let alone see these eels that are feeding. It's yeah, and that's just a small little project done by one small school in a small town, you know. So it's, yeah, I'd like to think that's indicative of what's being done to other parts around the country, and that yeah, it's it's more. We're getting we're getting more access and more funding towards it in the spaces and for the people who need it the most you know, like people like myself as an adult having my views changed but I'm just one one person but having it through these schools with future generations where it's you know they're definitely they need to lead it they need to be those guiding people and encouraging that change so it's, yeah, it's definitely more funding through the schools would be or as is happening and as should continue to happen. That's amazing. And I'd yeah, like to see what happens with that.
0: Well, uh, for our listeners who um, who don't know the Whakatane area, um, behind the Whakatane Intermediate School is the Awatapu Lagoon. And that had for many years been used as a dumping ground for all mm. manner of things, cars, bikes, supermarket, trolleys, all kinds of rubbish. It was absolutely the most unhealthy waterway in the community where there was no life. It was just disgusting. And so um, the principal of the time, Doug McLean, uh, went to the council and asked if the intermediate students could start restoring the space. So Whakatane Intermediate over the last few years has pulled Cars and bikes and all sorts of things out of there, and it's a, it's actually a compulsory part of the education for all the intermediate students um, to go and do the work in the lagoon, and it has restored, as Hannah said, restored biodiversity and um, given the learners a sense of responsibility for caring for a space that in the past everybody just uses a dumping ground. So creating responsible adults by educating the children. That's pretty fair to say, Hannah?
2: Oh, I couldn't have said it better myself.
0: <laughs> well you did. <laughs> you said it. So okay, a yeah. you did a great job. So over the last couple of years since COVID, we've seen the government um, pump a lot of money into the uh into the Um, into the natural environment space through the the nature program. Yeah. Are you starting to see some change in the environment from that? Or what what are your hopes? What do you hope to see from that?
2: Oh, my gosh. It's a loaded question. (laughs) I mean, I've always found it incredibly fascinating looking at some of the more endangered endemic species and especially in this area the likes of like the frogs from like Maud island and you know hamilton's frog like it would be an amazing sign of progress to have them back on the mainland and i guess thriving on the mainland but yeah to see these species return to areas where they haven't been for decades that in my mind would be like a crowning achievement of all this jobs for nature funding right and I guess, like, in the Fakatani era, you've got the Ewi there. They've received a lot of funding to, without the use of poison, return all of that reserve up on the hill to, you know, predator-free, right? Yeah. Like, it's, a, it's definitely at the beginning, but I'd like to see where that goes, right? And who knows, maybe one day that's something I could get involved in. Yeah, there's just – it's so good to see that these areas – but I guess low work opportunity or low potential for jobs are getting this funding, where they can get people who would otherwise maybe be on the dole. I'm not sure. Like they've got potential employment in a space that they usually would make use of, and that they can meaningfully help to protect and to like restore. So yeah, I'm very optimistic of what's being done with uh, all the funding that's been given with jobs through nature or jobs for nature.
0: I love yeah. the work that Awa are doing uh, in the Ngāhiri, as you were talking about before with yeah. the poison free uh, pest management, and they're using best foods mayonnaise uh, as them as the possum mayonnaise of choice to bait traps, and it's working really well, so yeah, not so they so no poison. People powered, um, and while everybody's out um, clearing away the traps, they're also, you know, identifying all the other pests that need to be, you know, land, uh, plant pests and and uh, and checking waterways. and It's incredible the work that they're doing. They're oh, training yeah. a whole new conservation army as part of that, and they've just been further funded by Bay Trust.
2: So fantastic, fantastic to hear!
0: It's I'm so like- good,
1: Hannah. I need to squeeze in the second of the songs that you have sent us. Mm-hmm. Little Sims, selfish, why this one?
2: Oh my gosh. I relate to the lyrics. <laughs>
5: The heritage ego and then hey, they ain't missin' with the sleeves, though. And now I'm here, can't entertain no bummy niggas. Need my nigga fresh in a tuxedo, though. Me and my new cage, steady blowing weed smoke. I'm a woman who can teach you a little something about class. Now will forever be a girl's best friend. Everything's imperative for the way I live. I know what's material but not irrelevant. More the serious works for not inherited. Told myself I rate my niggas up and never did. self loving need more self loving That's how it goes. They wanna know you. You're buzzing the first things first. Number one and priority. Only you know what you want, does it phase Doesn't bother me honestly. I can- Everything in this divine turn. I peeped, you couldn't handle a woman in my calibre. Had to let you mature like some fine wine. Yeah. No validation, no applause You don't have to prove you got it when you know it's yours I don't want to feel disloyal for wanting to do need and you act brand new and I know the cause wait, wait, Call it when you lie Till now i would never been the selfish type Till now i would never told nobody no Don't get it twisted, this shit didn't happen overnight Still if your life is amazing, will you get to fear? Can't be concerned about what they're saying up there I'll make it clear, don't be in and now about what you hear They say I always get what I want and it isn't fair But life is a fair, go I can't sleep for now.
6: best friend is I I'm so selfish Get
0: change one thing in our conservation space right now that you think would make the biggest difference of all things, what would that be?
2: Oh, that's a tough one. If magically overnight we could educate everyone on best practice for agrochemical use, and I guess that extends to the likes of the use of aerial 1080. If we could educate the general population on the, I guess, a a more complete picture and understanding of it and how in certain areas it is ineffective and at times the only tool to meaningfully do anything. Yeah, if we could educate people on that, on the use of that, that would be fantastic. There's
0: definitely a shift happening there. Cause I know with the uh, Raukumara project uh, down on the East Cape, um uh, Whanau Aapanui were absolutely, totally, no, we will not have aerial 1080 under any circumstances ever. It was a, it was never going to happen. And now yep. there is a program that's just about to happen. So, so there is, there is definitely a way of bringing about change through education but how good, do you think we yeah. do that on a bigger scale like do you think it is just a case of having to work with the small groups and um, or is it something you know that do, do we do more to introduce conservation thinking into our schools like what if you could be the education boss of everything how would you do it
2: well definitely no harm in having education within schools but I guess it would be a matter of figuring out what like what groups are these ones that are so opposed to it and why are they so opposed to it and just connecting with them and forming some kind of understanding i don't know like it's it's such a tough one because i well, don't think there is any simple answer to the question you know you need a multifaceted approach you know but i, mean, I guess yeah just general been,
0: advocacy, right? There has been a lot of change in that space. I remember um, when when 1080s first started being used, they they didn't really know a whole lot about it.
5: Uh, yeah. The way
0: they were using it wasn't appropriate, and you know that a lot of the species that we're trying to protect were you know impacted by that. But yeah. but things have changed, and you know so much has gone into uh, creating a product that. Um, that that is attractive to the target species and not attractive to those ones that we're trying to save so
2: yeah exactly yeah
0: yeah getting that message across is the challenge
2: yeah and there's with the use of 1080 it's it's not a perfect you know it's not perfect right there are downsides to it but it's that net benefit and if you have that calculated use of it i think it's invaluable and definitely a great tool for helping to knock back the number of pests, right? Mm. But in the likes of Bakatani up on the hill, it's such an accessible piece of land that I don't think it's necessary for the use of that chemical. We can meaningfully control pests without it, right? With yeah, yeah, it's just looking at what needs to be done and, <laughs> and figuring out the best and most cost-effective way to do it right yeah but i'm I'm not at that level yet i can't do that or i can't be in charge of that change but but hey maybe that's me in five ten years time that'd be good there we go i've just figured out my future we're sorted
0: (laughs) fantastic our work here is done
2: (laughs) brilliant watch the space
0: (laughs) it's um it is interesting um to, well, I had always been a very anti the use of 1080, 100%. Mm. Don't use it. It's the devil one. And And um, the thing that actually changed my position was a drive through the Uruwera uh, where oh, I weird, had, I couldn't believe it. Like I, I saw a, a, I saw a Nahiri in trouble and um, it had deteriorated so much over a, the couple of years since I had driven through there that I just hardly recognised the place. And that yeah. was the most beautiful bit of forest. Um, and, yeah, and now it's really struggling.
2: I mean, case in point, you can head to Fidenake Forest, which is actively controlled with the occasional use of 1080, and the birdsong in there is incredible. And you go 50, 60 k's down the road, and it's comparatively silent, right? Yeah. So it just shows that what, you know, planning and actual, actually undertaking this control can do. I don't know, but I guess it's a scale thing. Fiddleneck is comparatively small compared to the udawetas, you know. Yeah, but hey, but it, I'm optimistic of things being done that will meaningfully and be—I don't know—they'll be very good. They will. They it will improve. I'm optimistic that things will improve. There we go. I'm also optimistic that things will improve,
0: but mostly because of there are people like you and people like all of the Kaimahi and the. Uh, Natiawa programme um, on you know, on the Natiawa ha- whenua who, mm. are, who have committed their professional lives to making a difference to the natural environment and while there are people like you who are willing to do that, there is always hopefulness.
2: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad to be a part of it because yeah, just seeing the effects on such a small scale is just amazing, so I'd like to see large-scale improvements, you know? Watch the space. Well, yeah. I'd like to retire with a few milestones under the belt that I can say I've contributed to. Mm.
1: You've got a while to go yet.
2: Oh, most definitely. And, hey, I'll start with Spartina, like a, a pest plant eradication. I'll put my name to that. That's great. It's a good stepping stone.
1: Well, I think that what you said earlier about what you know is only a fraction of what there is to know is the yeah. – very best place you can possibly be
2: yeah I'm aware to it that's that's a great thing
1: Hannah I have some questions to end the show and not very much time so we're going to have to wriggle what is Mm. the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years
2: finding a career path that brings passion and sparks joy simple as that
1: that sounds a good one we're writing a book of these conversations it's called tomorrow's heroes it's our team of people doing good work so you are in that team what's your superpower what got you into the mansion
2: oh gosh an ability to remain calm in less than ideal situations (laughs) yeah we'll say that's a superpower i don't know can i shoot lasers out of my eyes that'd be fun
1: no you can't fly either (laughs)
2: oh gosh
1: so do you consider yourself to be an activist
2: (sighs) unfortunately not I feel like there are more personable individuals with more knowledge under their belt who would be better applied to it but hey I'd like to think one day I'll get to that point where I'm comfortable doing that Currently, I stick to what I know. So I'll advocate for mountain biking. Okay.
1: So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
2: Oh, currently it's my alarm clock. <laughs> um, No, it's just, I mean, you can't see this, but I'm at the mouth of the Polaris sounds, and it is just absolutely stunning here, you know? I was out on the West Coast the other day and I saw a white heron, which I don't think I've ever seen. Just getting up and having those opportunities to see these amazing things is enough yeah, to get me out of bed in the morning.
1: So what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so?
2: Oh, the study. It's intimidating and exciting in the same, you know, same vein. It's, I know it's going to be a lot of work. I feel like I'm almost past that prime of, you know, knowledge going in and sticking, but yeah, that's a challenge I'm looking forward to. Yeah.
1: And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
2: Oh my gosh. I can't give advice. Um, Honestly, coming out blank, just find something you enjoy. And if you can't make it a career, make it a a hobby, make it a pastime, make it a volunteering experience. I don't know, just find things that bring joy. Yeah.
1: That sounds good. Find things you enjoy. Hmm. That sounds like a good piece of advice to me for someone that says she can't think of any (laughs) advice. Moera. And I think that's the
0: greatest advice right up there for advice given on our show
2: oh if only it was as simple as listening to it though that's the thing it's never easy to follow through no but unless yeah. unless we're challenged
0: to do things sometimes we never even try so that's the most yeah. important thing yeah and I am so grateful for the commitment that you've made to conservation you can't talk about um being worried about information not sticking in your head until you're fifty, so you've got a ways to go yet. Oh,
5: <laughs> when you're fifty,
0: concussions. <laughs> when you're oh, fifty, okay. you can think about that. Okay. But you've got you. you'll be fine, and um, and I think that I feel much more hopeful about uh about the future of conservation in Aotearoa because there are people like you who are willing to do what they can to make change. Thank mm. you for the commitment that you've made to our natural environment, and thank you for joining us today.
2: Yeah, no worries. It's um, a new experience, you know, Can take like that off the bucket list. Thank you. thank you.
7: Thank you. East in June Trade the brightest greens of summer for the dreams of navy blue East in June Call Pacific Breeze for an Atlantic Rendezvous. Tennessee, and write a song about the sea that we can sing along to. I am gonna see if I can get to Tennessee and write a song about the sea. That you're my landlocked blue. I'm gonna stop and say hello. Just long enough to write a song that will get me to Seattle. Cause I've been
1: driving
7: for days on town
1: with Justin. You've been listening to Blowing Bubble, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm I'm brought to you by the Sustainable Way, Lens team, so which is brought to you by T King of Otago. We're broadcast on a Tiger Access Radio and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is The Vocal View to the Ocean. I'm Samuel so with Moira Karatai in Pakatani. And from The Polora Sound in Marlborough Sounds, we've been joined by Hannah Thompson. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Māsi wa.
0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the Air.